Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at discounttire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. For the first six years of my life, I was an only child. I used to dream of having a brother, an older brother, someone who would jump on beds with me, ride downstairs with me on our butts. When I finally did get a sibling in kindergarten, it was a boy. But of course, he was younger. All he did was cry and sleep. And I was like, this is not what I asked for. Then when I was eight, my 13-year-old cousin Jeff came to live with us for the summer. His parents put him on a plane and flew him from Florida to Connecticut. He was supposed to be a mother's helper, change diapers, prepare bottles. But he had a habit of rolling his eyes when my mom asked for help. And another thing. I like to torture you a lot. Um, I remember that you you <laughs> like to torture me also. And your your main weapon was being able to eat things very slowly. How was that a weapon? Well, I, I remember specifically fruit roll-ups. Your mom had these great, like, natural fruit roll-ups, and I loved them, and, and we would eat, I think we would eat them at the same time, and I always tried to make mine last longer than yours, but I never could because you were the master of <laughs> slow eating, so it would drive me insane. This is The Longest Shortest Time, and I am Hillary Frank, the master of slow eating. Don't try me. I'll drive you insane. The summer of 1984, Jeff was the big brother I'd never had. Only not the fun kind I'd imagined. He teased me, chased me, pinned me down and twisted my arm when I asked if he had a girlfriend. Okay, maybe I accused him of having a girlfriend. One time, I was hanging out in my room, probably listening to Beat It on my record player. And I remember looking up. The door was open just a crack, and, and there was Jeff's big ol' eyeball peering in, staring at me. I ran and told my mom. My mom was sick of me telling on him. Jeff and I were constantly at each other. I believed everything he said was wrong. I had this thing that I would do when, when he said something that I thought was stupid, where, where I would go, no, and he'd go, yes. I remember asking you questions. Um that I knew we were going to argue about. And even before you answered, I would say, yes. <laughs> wow, we were both a couple of assholes. Yeah. Yeah. After that summer, Jeff went back to Florida and we didn't really see each other or talk for years. All I knew about him was that he'd been on the wrestling team, gone to live with his mom in Texas. Then when I was in high school, our grandfather died. After the funeral, we hung out in our grandma's breakfast nook and just hit it off, riffing on a bunch of nonsense and kidding around about weird family dynamics. He had morphed into my fantasy big brother. And that's how it's been ever since. Now Jeff's a dad. And he recently told me about a thing that he does as a parent that I think would be embarrassing for most of us to admit. But not Jeff. He's proud of it. Today, we're going to find out why. And we're going to hear from a mom who also did this thing that Jeff does, but completely by accident. Jeff lives in West Harlem with his wife, Adriana, and their daughter. Her name is Sarah with no H, and she is 14 years old. Sarah's just a little older than Jeff was when he came to live with us. At family gatherings, she sits and listens to all our dumb jokes. She smiles a lot, thinks my husband's Justin Bieber impression is hilarious, but she doesn't say much. She's more of an observer. Turns out, that's what she's like at home with her parents, too, which has never really bothered Jeff until a few years ago when she hit seventh grade. And she's on the younger side, so she was 11. She must have been 11 or 12. Around that time, Sarah started doing something new. She wasn't coming home after school. 
Jeff and Adriana were like, okay, now we've got questions. The, the main question is, like, where the hell are you? <laughs> and why are you not home right, right after school? After a lot of grilling, Jeff found out Sarah was walking with her friends to a park, Riverside Park, right on the Hudson. And they were called the Riverside Squad. So, Like they named themselves the Riverside Squad or... How did they get that yes, name? Yes, yes. I, um, I, I was not supposed to know about that. The way Jeff knows about that is he reads Sarah's texts. Uh, which also plays a big part of my general <laughs> surveillance of her. Yep, Jeff actively spies on his daughter. This is the thing he's proud of that I'm guessing most parents would not talk about on tape. Thing is, I know a lot of you out there do it. According to a Pew study last year, a majority of parents monitor their teens' online behavior in one way or another, keeping an eye on what websites they visit, their social media profiles. Almost 50% of parents read their teens' texts. Sarah actually knows that Jeff sees her texts. They share an Apple account, and the messages just automatically got sent to him when they got her a phone. And he was like, this is cool. It was a harmless way to keep tabs on her, out in the city with no adult supervision. But the main reason Jeff liked seeing Sarah's texts was he wanted to know, who is she when she's not with us? I just thought it was fascinating to kind of um, kind of know, find out what she was doing and who she was with and all that, all those fun, fun things you try to get out of them. Texts, though, coming in in snippets here and there, were not quite enough to satisfy Jeff's curiosity. And here's where he started doing some stuff that I think goes a little beyond the norm. You know, we would take the train together, but I would drop her off at the corner and she would walk the block or, you know, half block to school. And then, you know, when she didn't think I was actually following her, I, w- I would follow her just to see like who she would interact with and and who her friends were and and, you know, and, um, if there, you know, always to see if there was a, any boys that talked to her or that she talked to any boys. Um, so that, you know, it's was, it was just, you, you, you see a lot of things that you wouldn't see otherwise. Well, like what surprised you? I remember one, one example um, at a school dance in, uh, in middle school. So I think she was, it was eighth grade. Jeff had volunteered to bring food to the dance, but only because it would be a chance for him to spy on Sarah. He and his wife went and hid behind a group of parents and students so they could get a good look without her seeing them. We saw her hug somebody that we thought, and it was like, we've never seen her hug any, any of her friends. She just doesn't do it. So we, we saw her hug somebody tall who at, their, at first we were like, oh my God, it's a boy. Uh, but... And it ended up being a really tall girlfriend of hers. So um, just things like that where, you know, we we saw her in the wild, <laughs> you know, kind of acting, acting like, a, you know, like any kid would, but not in front of their parents. To be clear, Jeff and his wife don't care whether Sarah likes boys or girls. They're just dying to know if she has crushes, you know, as any parent is. But through Jeff's spying, they came to realize that Sarah's natural environment, where she was most comfortable, was no longer at home with them. It was out in the world with her friends. Out there, she was a hugger. She was animated, talking with hand gestures. She was really into group texting. I, re- I remember one time there was she was having a sleepover with like three or four of her friends. And even when they're together, um, like in the same room, they still talk to each other on their phones, which is ridiculous. Her friends, um, you know, didn't know that I was seeing the text messages and her and some of her friends that are, you know, that we know is just very sweet girls. We would see some, some crazy words come across. Like what, what did you see? Like we would see, you know, all the, all the dirty words, um, the C word. (laughs) The C word? (laughs) Yeah. So we were, we were, we were shocked when we saw this and we called her in to the other room and we're like, Sarah, do you know that we can see your, your messages and hurt? She was like, Oh my God. And her, her face just, 
she was shocked. Um, what are your interactions with her friends like, and what do you imagine they think of you? I love her friends. <laughs> so when <laughs> it's just fun to have her friends over because I can, um, I know that she's embarrassed. She's she gets embarrassed very easily, and I love doing that to her. So I just kind of act act crazy and ask you know ask them questions. Um, I might you know. Sing, sing, like sing, sing part of a song that's like really popular at the time, and their friends' mouths kind of drop open, like, "Oh my god, do you know that song?" Or what have you sung for them? <laughs> oh my god, uh, I don't remember. It. Call me maybe. <laughs> yes. And then also saying stuff like. Um, Saying stuff that the words that they use, um, and that you've gotten from spying on their texts, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, really, yeah, like I, what words? <laughs> like, I one of I know, a big one was yas, like yas, bro. <laughs> um, that that was big for a while. So, um, if her friends are here and they were they were talking. I would just kind of interject myself in the conversation and say, yas, bro. And her friends would crack up <laughs> and Sarah would just be like humiliated. And, and, uh, but also I, I think she thinks it's kind of funny. She would just never, never admit it. I think Jeff is definitely missing the more obvious conclusion here that Sarah actually hates it when her dad sings to her friends and talks like a teenage girl. And you know, when, I, like when I over, when, when I listen in, or Which, to, how are you doing it? How are you listening in? I mean, I just put my ear up against the door. Um, as you might imagine that, you know, they're not very quiet. <laughs> 12 and 13 and 14 year old girls. Um, so I can pick up a lot even without putting my putting a glass next to the wall or, or putting my ear against the door. Wait, are you doing the glass? I've done that. It actually works. It's pretty amazing. Pretty, Amazing. Now that's like taking it to the next level. I feel like you you have been sitting here being like, well, they're being pretty loud. So sort of like if I just walk by the door, but you're taking a glass. Yeah, if I can't hear it, I'm going to use the glass. Jeff, <laughs> it's it's fascinating. You know. Wait a minute. You keep using this word fascinating, but it's like invasive. Creepy? It's creepy. creepy. <laughs> it's creepy. Um, maybe, but it, it, it's, it's entertaining to, to me. You are a grown ass man (laughs) spying on 13 year old girls. 14. Yeah, but they were 13 when you were doing it before. They were. were. If you heard about other parents spying on their kids, what would you think? I have heard of that. It's a, it's a, it's a active discussion amongst at least the dads that I know that, a lot of us have have daughters and we generally don't get any information about about them so the the information that we get is usually through some sort of spying tactic um whether it be listening in or uh social media um i think i think that's pretty common what if what if you accidentally heard something that troubled you? Uh, that's a that's a good question. I I don't know how I would feel. I think I would be <laughs> I would be freaked out. I mean, you'd be freaked out, but then what would you do because like you'd have to admit that you were spying. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have any problem admitting that. See, this this feels like um, a nightmare to me. <laughs> if, <laughs> well, you did undergo your own nightmare with me, so. But to have, like, to have my parents, if I had found out that my parents <laughs> were watching me, listening in on things, <laughs> reading my text messages, if I had, if texting had existed back then, right. I would have been horrified and angry, and I would have rebelled in some way. Yeah, well, you know, I'm trying to think back because when I was a kid at that age, 
I was very secretive and I, it was, you know, if I, if I thought my parents were spying on me, I would take it as a challenge to, to be even more secretive. Lately, Sarah's taken to Snapchat more than texting, which kids do precisely so their parents can't see it. But yeah, I mean, I can, I can, I can see how it's, uh, it's, it's a little disconcerting, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't really care. I'm, I'm still going to do it. <laughs> what does your wife think about you doing this? She, I, 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 th- <laughs> I think she would be as interested in any, any good information that I actually got from it, but she's, she is not, invo- she's not involved in the, you know, the actual spying tactics like I am. So I think she's, I think she's okay with it. I asked Adriana what she thought about the spying, specifically the listening through the door. She's not okay with it. Or with the fact that Jeff says he would read Sarah's diary if he found it. You said that you were really secretive uh-huh. when you were her age. What were you hiding? Everything. Everything. See, here's where your daughter is just like you, because yeah. it is impossible to get information out of you. <laughs> everything. I That's not an that. answer. I mean, everything that I, that guys like guys my age. No, no, actually it it really is probably everything. Um I didn't I just didn't want them to know about anything I was doing. School, girls, um dirty magazines. You you were primarily raised by your dad and your stepmom, right? Yeah, yeah. In, in those years, yes. Right. Um, what would you have done if you turned around and you noticed they had been following you to school? Uh, I, I would have freaked out, probably. Or, like, you walked out of your, your bedroom to go to the bathroom and there was, there was your stepmom with a glass to your door. Um. Yeah, it. I don't know. I, I I think it's I think it's kind of like a compliment. Like I think Sarah should be. I I think she should be happy that I'm doing it because I'm like I'm I'm you know I'm really interested in what's going on with her. Now, when Jeff said this thing about how his spying was a compliment, it made me think of something. It made me think of that summer when he lived with us and about the real reason he came. His dad and stepmom had just had their first baby together, and they sent him to live with us so they could have some space. My mom says his parents never called to check in on him that summer. Sitting there with Jeff, I I suddenly had a theory about his spying. But the thing is, I never go deep with him. Jeff's nickname in our family is Flat Panel. His wife and my brother started calling him that when flat screen TVs came out because he's two-dimensional, never talks about his feelings, especially when it comes to his parents. But here I was with a microphone and a theory, and I knew I had to ask him about it. At the same time, I was kind of freaking out. Like, am I really going to go there? Are you? Do you feel like... <laughs> I'm just going to extrapolate here. Do, do, do you feel like they weren't paying enough attention to you? I mean, that's that might, I think that's might be part of it. Yeah. If you look, yeah. If you look at it that way. So stop me if I'm going too far here, <laughs> but they, <laughs> but they, so you have, you have a sister who, um, you and you and your sister are, um, the, the only two from your mom and dad biologically, and then you have two half-sisters right. um, from your dad and your stepmom. Right. And, um, and I just wonder, here's a hypothesis. <laughs> oh like, they came along, and, and, and I just, like, they were a lot younger than you, and were, they, were your parents kind of consumed with um, your half-sisters who were younger and needed more attention, and then you lost a lot of the attention. I'm getting, I'm getting the middle finger here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I mean, yeah, I I think 
that that could be part of it. I'm sorry to psychoanalyze you, but it, but it feels like you must have like you're reacting to something of like they didn't care enough or something um, <clears throat> to 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 spy on you. <laughs> Is that a question? <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Well, what you're doing is extreme. <laughs> and I wonder, like to say to say that you think it's a compliment to be spying on your kid makes me think that something happened in your childhood where you didn't get enough um, attention, which like to, for you to think that it would be a compliment to have your parents spying on you. <laughs> what do you make of that? Um, I, I think that's, that's, that's correct. <laughs> I concur. That little I concur coming from Jeff, it's a big deal. Like when my family hears this, they are not going to believe how deep we got. And while I still think Jeff's spying is over the top and I wish he wouldn't do it, it softens it a little for me to know that his motives are sweet. Jeff seems confident Sarah will not find out about the spying, that she won't hear this podcast, that nobody who hears it will tell her about it. And even if she does find out, he says he's going to keep doing it. Though, he adds, the novelty is wearing off. Well, coming up, we hear from a girl who knows for sure her mom spied on her. Stay with us. Say advertisement. Advertisement. Your Space Coast vacation is preparing for liftoff. Start counting down now. 10, 9, 8, 7, it's time for a beach vacay that feels like heaven. 6, 5, 4, come explore Melbourne and the beaches. 3, 2, 1, it's time for some rocket-filled fun. Count down to your best beach vacation ever on Florida's Space Coast. Launch your planning now at visitspacecoast.com. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at discounttire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. We're back. And today we're talking about parent spies. You know, sometimes as a parent, you need to gather intel. You choose to spy on your kid. But sometimes the intel comes to you. This story falls into the second category. I met Jane at a New Year's party. She was standing with me and another mom of a young kid. We were watching teens head down to the basement where there was loud music playing. Jane's daughter popped up for a sec. Jane was surprised to see her daughter was wearing a halter top, much more revealing than what she'd had on when they left the house. Jane was like, ugh, it used to be so easy before I had teenagers. I always thought that I was like this really hip parent and I was on top of what was happening. And and, and what's it like now? Um, <laughs> they continue to come at me from all angles and I never see it coming with them. Jane's got three kids a 20-year-old son, and two 16-year-old twin daughters. Yep, double teens. I was telling Jane that I freak myself out imagining my daughter Sasha at that age. And in response, Jane told me a story that probably should have made me feel even more worried. But somehow, weirdly, it ended up making me feel better. Kind of better. Some background here. Jane's twins are very different human beings, One of the girls is cerebral, intense, really tech-savvy. The other is artsy, confident, super outgoing, and whatever the opposite of tech-savvy is. She's the one that this story is about. Maybe a year and a half ago, Jane started noticing this little glitch in her parenting matrix. She'd be sitting at home trying to apply for jobs. And her text would come up on my computer. And I said to her over the course of a year and a half, just so you know, all of your texts are coming up on my computer. And her standard response was always, I know I really have to take care of that. I have to talk to I have to talk to my sister and figure out how to take care of that. And I said, it's just for the record, I'm not like actively reading your texts, but they do pop up as I'm sitting there and sometimes I look at them. So I So I just want to make it clear, it's not like you were trying you didn't set it up yourself so that the new phone 
would uh, transmit the text through to your computer so that you could read them. Absolutely not. I'm not even savvy enough to pull that off. We shared the same Apple ID at the time. This is Jane's daughter. I figured it would be a good idea to hear her side of this story, too, for reasons which will quickly become clear. This Apple ID situation is apparently a thing for lots of families. Whichever device has is connected to that Apple ID can see any texts, I guess. I did not understand that. <laughs> I specifically told her, you know, and the funny thing is, is that there's, I don't know if you've ever read these texts, but they're painful. I mean, Bay, Bay 2, you know, and then like on and on about what somebody wore and oh my God, she's, you know, Kim Kardashian is mind numbing. It is the most mind numbing thing you can ever experience. So this is like this, this like chit chat is going on in the background on your computer. All day, every day. This situation, of course, did have some perks. Like Jane would get a heads up whenever her daughter was promising nine of her friends that her mom was going to drive them all to Chipotle. Mostly, though, the texts were a pain in the ass. Whatever the cloud has done that has connected us, I want it undone. I just haven't, I never got around to it. Jane did give her daughter repeated warnings for like 18 months. And then one day, I see this text come up from my daughter to somebody I've never heard of. And it says, oh, hey, um, you know, I heard you could hook me up. That one caught my eye. Jane was intrigued. She figured she should keep her cool, see how this plays out. Sure enough, a minute or two later, the girl with the strange number answered back. And she was like, absolutely, you know, what do you want? And my daughter said, I just want one joint, just one. To explain herself, here's Jane's daughter again. I had only ever smoked once in my life, and I mean, it was fun. So I thought, like, why not? Now, in a way, Jane had prepared for this day. She knew her daughters were bound to experiment. Jane herself had collected quite a lot of field data when she was a teen. I um, I was one of eight, and the two right above me were the only boys in the family, and they were wild. And it just seemed logical to me at 13 that my 15 and 17-year-old brothers, who had a bong in their room, and the room was always cloudy, I was like, oh, I... You know, I want to be just like my brothers, and they would get me into bars, and I just took every opportunity I could to break every rule. I experimented constantly, and nothing was too crazy for me to try. Jane, of course, did not want her daughters doing crazy stuff. But she did want to be as open as possible with them. She drilled them especially hard on the safety stuff made sure they knew how to keep from getting roofied at parties, told them she'd always pick them up if they ever felt unsafe. She'd also talk to them about how the drug you think you're buying often gets cut with something else, often something way scarier, so you can never be sure of what you're taking. And now, here is Jane's daughter, conducting a drug deal over text with some strange girl with a rando phone number. <laughs> this is all coming up on my computer in real time. And What are you doing while this is happening? I think I was working on my resume. (laughs) I'm trying to focus and the whole thing about like when you're doing job search and resume, you're supposed to turn off your phone and you're supposed to be in this quiet atmosphere. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm watching this. The texts keep coming, fast and furious. They've now moved on to talking about where exactly this joint handoff is going to go down. Rando Phone Girl has proposed a plan. Let's just, you know, walk a few blocks down from the high school and we'll meet at the church and we'll just, you know, we'll just do it there. And my daughter, in her (laughs) infinite wisdom or naivete, said, why do that? Let's just do it in the high school bathroom. It's perfectly fine. That probably sounds like me, like just wherever's convenient. And then the girl said, you're going to love the rolling papers I got. They're so cute. And my daughter said, take a picture. So the girl takes a picture of the joint. It was white with like little cherries on it. I don't know why. I actually thought that that was really funny, that that was a thing now. I'm like, oh, that's, oh, wait a minute. This is not funny at all. This is not funny, but that's kind of cute. So she sends the picture and there on my computer is this picture of a fat joint in adorable rolling paper. (laughs) 
Okay, it was a small, it was a very small joint. Like I, and I didn't know that, but it, it was like half the size of a normal one would be. And then um, the next thing she said, she's like, oh yeah, so just let me know how much I owe you so I can bring the money. And she said, I think she actually said it was like 25 and I thought that was normal. <laughs> and I'm like, $25? I mean, I, I really remember thinking like, that is just the icing on the cake. <laughs> I just, what? Did you feel like $25 was reasonable? Uh, I didn't know what things would cost, like weed wise and, and like what sizes are how much and all of that stuff. Now, I'm not saying I've ever bought a pre-roll joint, but yeah, we looked this up and typically you're looking at like $6, maybe 10 for this kind of thing, even if it's wrapped in cute cherries. I think my um, argument was that I like never get to do stuff like that, like drink or smoke. So why not spend the money? <laughs> and I'm thinking, she has no money. I'm not working. My daughter's need, she needs $10 here, $10 there. And she has $25 and she's spending that on a joint. Like, so my brain starts to like think about immediately, like, okay, well, I need to talk to her about this. And I actually don't know where to start. Like, I don't know where to start the conversation because there's so many things that I need to say here. You really are going to buy a joint from somebody you probably don't know that well, and you're going to pay $25 for it. Like, I couldn't, I kept rearranging my, my, my points. And of course, the number one thing is, you know, we've had this discussion. If you smoke pot, you know, in your teen years, it's going to affect, you know, the, your brain development. Then there's the whole thing about, okay, so if you're going to do it, be safe. And I never thought to say to her, Whatever you do, don't buy drugs in school because you could be expelled. <laughs> like that never even made it. So now, of course, that has to rise to the top. <laughs> you talked about um, sort of preparing them for safety scenarios, but but it sounds like your daughter um, maybe needed the absolute basics. You know, like don't buy drugs <laughs> at school. <laughs> so was it a relief to you that she was such a rookie, or was that actually scarier? That was probably. One of the things that was making me laugh about it, because I thought, well, if you're this dumb, like, everything's fine. She's so, she's so much less sophisticated. Like, it sounds like you were much better at it when you were a teenager. Yeah. Um, like, I had my older brothers. This, this is true. My brothers injected oranges with hypodermic needles because my mother was a nurse and he, they injected it with vodka. So it's like, I was like, that's brilliant. Jane says she's pretty sure her parents never found out what she'd been up to. Because I was good at hiding it. I let them believe that I was this perfect kid, but I was partying all the time. Um, so it's that's why I thought it was almost comical that these texts were coming to me as like in a almost like in a gift box. You know, at first it really was actually very funny to me. And then uh, the gravity of it hit me. It sounds like you were you were looking for a job. Had you recently lost your job? Yes. Yes. I had just recently lost my job. And um, I, at the same time, um, my marriage broke up. My um, ex-husband, he's had drug and alcohol issues. So really, I'm really on my own. So I was a single mom looking for work. And I had these daughters who, you know, were definitely testing the waters and, you know, they were, they were hanging out with people that I hadn't really seen them hang out with before. So it was all very scary to me. My, my financial life was scary. My, um, personal life was scary. And now I, I thought, oh my goodness, there could be two of me. I know how, I know how tempted I was and I have two of these girls and there's only one parent there's, so I don't have anybody to bounce this off of. And, uh, you know, who's going to do good cop, bad cop with me? Does it feel scary to imagine a daughter of yours doing what you did? That's terrifying. Jane grew up in a small, close-knit town with the feeling that there were all these people around to take care of her if she messed up. But she realized her daughters are growing up near New York. There's way more scary stuff available. And Jane says that thinking about that, it just felt different. The other piece of it for me certainly was, oh, right, I had that, I always talk about this internal mechanism, this internal trigger I had that allowed me to party hard and study hard. You know, so I, I was able to self-regulate and I thought, oh, 
my ex-husband doesn't have that ability. So all of a sudden it occurred to me that, oh, it isn't always just fun and games, you know, and there might be something more serious that I have to worry about. Um, So when you see something like this and you've worked, like this was three years into it, when you see this kind of text exchange, there is something that runs, that ran through my head is like, oh, is is she smoking pot because of abandonment issues? (laughs) You know, like I started to doubt myself. Jane wanted to keep perspective, not overreact. At the same time, it seemed really plausible that her daughter could be turning to pot to deal with her anxiety over the fact that her dad wasn't around and that Jane wasn't saying much about it. So that's the narrative I put together. And it was like a full-blown story (laughs) that I had. I was like, this is what it is. This is it. And, And so, and I was just, you know, you couldn't convince me otherwise. And of course, I thought I was, you know, possibly a genius for having figured this out. <laughs> and in my moments of clarity, you know, I, when I was just having my coffee and in the morning, I was like, this is just typical. This is just, there's nothing huge about this. Don't make it into something bigger. But that's exactly the hard part. You never really know. You go through life and people, people will say to you, like after, after I was separated, people said, oh, well, you know, it was so clear that this marriage was Everybody in my life said this. So clear that your marriage was falling apart. I mean, it was just heartbreaking to watch you try and hold it together. And then you sit there and you're like, what? (laughs) So it's one of those things. And you say to yourself, am I going to be saying three years from now when she's in a a drug rehab that somebody's like, well, it was, oh, the writing was always on the wall, (laughs) that kind of thing. So that's where you have to do like sort of that check and balance. Like, I don't want to go through that again. Am I seeing it clearly? In a minute, Jane goes all DEA agent on her daughter, except with more teasing. Don't go away. Can you say advertisements? Advertisements. (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. We are back with Jane and her 16-year-old daughter, who at this point has just become the proud new owner of an undersized, exorbitantly overpriced cherry pattern joint. I think when I came home, I was more just like, I was kind it wasn't like I was proud. I was just like surprised in like kind of a good way that I pulled it off like that. That was like as smooth as it was. So Jane's daughter had a couple blissfully oblivious hours after school until that night when her mom sat her down. She has this, like, way of starting a conversation like that where me and my sister both know, like, something happened. Um, I think every parent does, but... and I, How does she do it? She, um, she, like, looks me in the eye, and she's like, we have to talk about something. And, like, you know what it is if you've just done... Like, I just, I knew exactly what it was. Oh, it was such... It was such an uncomfortable talk. And I said, I am so upset about the choices you made, and I don't know where to start. But I'm going to start with the thing that just kills me, and that is the fact that you were going to do this on school premises. And you did not even think through all of the, you know, the, the consequences of that, that decision. I said, and I can go on and on. When she called me out for that, I was like, in my mind, I was like, that is so obvious when you say it. And for, like, I don't know why I didn't think of that. <laughs> I felt kind of stupid afterwards. I was like, I think I needed someone to tell me that. And like, I was sitting there and even though in my mind, I was like, well, like you should be proud. I don't know how much it should have cost or whatever. And like, I think I was just like, like, I think I need to hear this and that it's important that I know all like the things she was telling me, so. And it was really hard. She, I I think she felt so, she felt like she really let me down. And I just said, look, I'm your mom. I have to. I have to just let it out. And I, I can't I can't pretend like I didn't see this thing. I saw it and I saw you made some really dumb choices. After the whole incident blew over, Jane still wasn't quite ready to let it go. 
She wanted her daughter to understand that this was a big deal, that she was really concerned. Also, the story was kind of too great not to tell. I did share this story with a number of people. And so I was sharing it with my sister and her husband. And my sister's husband, he, of course, like so many people were like, wait a minute, the whole story is crazy. But $25, I mean, this is the every person 40 and over, that is like the first thing they say. And um, so he decided to... Um, you know, he asked me first, he's like, do you mind if I just have fun with this? And I'm like, oh, please. I, I think the, the more she knows people know about it, the more she's going to, it'll, it'll kind of register. Jane's daughter started getting these texts from her uncle every couple of days. Like, hey, I just went to the hardware store. You'll never guess what I bought for $25. And then also he like, he pulled me aside and he taught me this handshake that he used to have with his friend where it's, it was like a normal, um, like fist bump sort of thing. And you end it with like mimicking holding a joint at your lips. And then I like didn't, I was kind of like hesitant, like I didn't want reluctant to do it basically because it was just too soon in my mind for him to be like making fun of me for it. But I thought it was like kind of funny. So your mom also told me that she was concerned that your buying the joint might have something to do with like coping, coping with the split. Mm. Do you think that's true? Like, not at all. I, cause already I think, like, I very soon I coped well with it. And like, still today, I have a really good relationship with my dad who doesn't live with us. So, I mean, I've always dealt really well with it because it hasn't been such a sad thing in my life. So, no, I didn't, I don't think that had anything to do with it. Some outside perspective Jane's daughter seems like a pretty well adjusted kid. She's got mostly A's, she's super creative, takes art classes and photography outside of school. Lately, she's gotten really into tech for theater. Drama kids are her kind of nerds. It's so much fun. I, like, love doing that. Like, I remember the first day I walked into tech, I just saw so many kids with dyed hair and, like, piercings that I didn't usually see around the other kids I hung out with. And, I I, like, I loved it the minute I walked in. Basically, she sounds like a very cool girl who's trying stuff out, figuring out all the things that are going to eventually make her who she is. So, like, are you glad that that you accidentally saw these texts? Oh, I am. Because of who this girl is and our relationship, um, it opens something up. We had to talk about it. And it was difficult and uncomfortable that it made the next uncomfortable conversation a a little easier. Jane says she recently talked to her daughter about maybe seeing a gynecologist to figure out the birth control situation. Not that she was pushing anything. And I said, I'm not telling you to rush things, but I don't want you to be in a situation where it's too late. And this girl, without skipping a beat, said, well, there's no time like the present. And after I froze, and she and she turned to me and she said, "You just spent ten minutes telling me how, you know, we should be thinking ahead, and and we don't want to end up." She's like, "I'm only saying this because I think that you're right," and I, you know, it's really funny when your own <laughs> advice is thrown back at you. So, you know, I I have that relationship with her. I don't know whether it's because of this incident. I just know that that incident definitely fostered a trust. I don't think it, I don't think it changed it at all. So you, you don't see this texting incident as like a pivotal change in, in like you, she, she seemed to think that like you were opening up more about like your feelings about like drugs and alcohol and sex. Um, I feel like, I feel like a parent would think that that maybe changed it, but but I think that's more due to like growing up and like kind of how you notice like they're not really so much parents as just people. So I love that idea. I think I think it's so true that like as parents, like we think, oh, like this thing happened and yeah. it changed my relationship with my kid, and the kid is just like. I don't know. It, it didn't really mean that much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, I think, because I, I walk, I think, like, I think I forgot about it, like, a month after it happened. Like, 
I think that parents probably make that a bigger deal, which I understand. I probably will too when I'm a parent. <laughs> I went back recently to ask Jane what she made of that idea, that maybe it wasn't the most pivotal moment. Maybe it's all just a part of her daughter becoming the person she's going to be. Jane said, I bet you're probably right. But still, as a parent... You're almost like looking for this, like, oh, this is the seminal moment I've been waiting for. What do you mean by seminal moment? Um, you know, I, I'm, always, I'm looking for... I'm going to see if I can articulate this. So uh, the big challenge in my high school years was was straddling that line between being the bad girl and the good girl. And like, I didn't have the vocabulary to articulate that. I was just living it. So if I had had somebody that could have understood that, it would have been a less, it would have been a less rocky road to navigate. Nevertheless, I navigated it and I'm here today. And, you know, this is how we learn. I'm looking for that moment where I understand sort of what her inner struggle is because all these, every, every teen has an inner struggle. It's like, what, you know, what is it that they're, you know, what is it that they want that they're fighting for? Or what are they struggling? Who are they struggling to be? That kind of thing. So you like want to know her as a person. You like, you want to know her as, as she's growing into a grown up. Like, it sounds like you want to like deeply connect with her. Always, always. I mean, that's, that I think is the, that's the storyline of every parent with their teenager. Would it have been disappointing to you if um, your daughter seemed to have absolutely zero dark side? I think so. I really do. I think so. Like I've seen a little bit of it, and I, but I'm really confident in her, and I really feel good about who she is as a just as a kid, as a, as a person out there in the world, the way she, I think she's very considerate. There's all these things I love about her. And I love the fact that there's just a couple things that she's keeping from me or yeah, she's like that. She's street savvy, <laughs> you know, she's going to be fine. And or she's getting there. <laughs> she, <laughs> she wasn't. <laughs> right. Right. Well, right. Street, maybe street savvy wasn't the best comment, but, uh, Actually, though, she's whatever she's doing now, she's I no longer get her text and I no longer I don't see anything. So she probably is like crossing her T's and dotting her I's a little bit better. But she told me she was going to try. Jane's daughter did end up smoking that joint. She shared it with a friend, but, you know, it was already tiny. So it did nothing. So it was really $20 down the toilet. <laughs> Um, so I have a seven-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. and this stuff terrifies me. Like, your mom told me that back when she was in high school, her brother figured out that you could inject alcohol into oranges with a hypodermic needle. Oh, my God. <laughs> are, are there things like that going on that, that like, I should know about? Um, I have never heard of that, but... Um, I think... Oh, no, I just gave you an idea. (laughs) No, no, no. We want to hear your stories about spying, too. Have you ever spied on your kids? Did you find out something that you didn't expect? Have your parents spied on you? Go to longestshortesttime.com and tell us everything in the comments for this episode. That's episode 131. This episode was produced by me, Hillary Frank, with Kristen Clark and Abigail Keel, who I definitely am not spying on, I promise. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and Jared O'Connell. Our technical director is the Reverend John Delore. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov and directed by Allison Layton Brown. We get editorial support from Amory Baldonado, Antonia Akatunde, and Rika Murthy. Next week, on The Longest Shortest Time, I design the perfect baby. What would be the most important thing to you for the baby to have? Me? Um, I don't think you can, I don't think there's a gene for this, but uh, funny. <laughs> I want them to be funny. I talk with journalist Bonnie Rockman about her new book on genetics and parenthood. 
Do not miss this episode, you guys. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time in Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever you like. And make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter where you can get a note directly from me in your inbox each week. Just go to our website and put your email in the little box. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we are looking for your stories. Right now, we're especially looking for stories about coincidences. Did you unexpectedly find a long-lost relative that you never knew you had? Or find out that some other family does something exactly the way yours does? Go to LongestShortestTime.com and submit your story. Yeah. When people from different cultures get married, how do they decide what food is going to be their food? You've completely given up the way you grew up eating. When we pass our cultures on to our kids, what are the complications? Generations and generations of Jewish people in my family who've kept kosher. Like, is it going to end with me? Am I going to be the one that's going to stop? I'm Dan Pashman from the Sporkful Podcast. Join me for our latest series on race, culture, and food called Your Mom's Food. How do parents who adopt kids from other countries use food to connect their children to their birthplace? It's one of the few things that is truly Ethiopian that I can give to him. And what happens when those kids grow up and feel like it wasn't enough? We'd go to this camp in the mountains, and that was where we were Korean. And then once we left, that was kind of it. Your mom's food is up now. I'm in a cultural struggle in North America, too. Would I be happier if you kept kosher and they kept kosher? Yeah. That's like the first thing you do with your kid is you feed them. Subscribe to The Sporkful in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 